You're listening to Range Minded from Independence Indoor Shooting. Before we get started, we want to remind you to check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Range Minded Podcast and give us a like and a follow if you could. We really would appreciate it. Plus, we appreciate any feedback or episode ideas you may have as well. Uh, you can email those to podcast at iishooting.com. This is episode number 50, which is part two of our Getting to Know the IIS Staff series. We sit down with John Carnes, a great firearms instructor and a huge wealth of knowledge behind the counter. John talks about his time serving in the Marine Corps, a little bit about how different military firearms training is compared to civilian firearms training, and how he's found his passion in the firearms world. Now, we do have to say that this episode has a few more curse words on it than normal, uh, but we've done our best to bleep most of them out. And on top of that, we do get into some pretty heavy topics, so listener discretion is advised on this one. Last thing, uh, we want to remind you that just like ours, John's opinions are his own and his own only, and uh, don't necessarily reflect the views of Independence Indoor Shooting or the Range Minded Podcast. So with that out of the way, uh, this was a fantastic episode. We hope you enjoy it uh, as much as we did. Episode 50 of Range Minded, the Getting to Know the IIS Staff Part 2, the John Carnes Edition. Hello and welcome to Range Minded from Independence Indoor Shooting, episode number five zero. Oh man. Episode number fifty. My name is Mark Long. I am Steve Zimmerman in the flesh. In the flesh, and we are joined by a very special guest, the resident wild card of Independence Indoor Shooting. Special indeed. Special indeed. John Carnes. John Carnes. If you've been to the shop ever, you've probably seen and talked to John. The Peg Lake Marine. The peg- Get it out of the way now. Yeah. He's- That's the best way to say so there it. goes the yeah. elephant in the room. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, you can really only tell in the summer, though. How do you wear shorts, shorts, man? Like, I really don't. You wore shorts last summer. I did a little bit, and yeah. it was because it, it was over. Do you know what's degrees? crazy? When John first showed up, part of the staff, mm-hmm. a lot of us had no idea. Yeah. Oh, yeah? Yeah, that, that, that one was not from birth. Right. Yeah, yeah that didn't happen. One yeah. is technologically superior to the other. I, I, it was never, I don't know. I never wanted to be a defining factor, you know? It was, hey, how'd you lose your leg? You want to hear the funny story or you want to hear the real story? <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear both. And I think I have like five different funny stories. And it starts out with, so there I was saving a train from a baby. <laughs> <laughs> that baby had no right to stop that train. And That's right. And I just had to, yeah. No. Uh, and then there's, uh, uh, remember Swamp People? Yeah, yeah, I tried. I tried out for Swamp People. I didn't make the cut. <laughs> I got in a fight with a grizzly bear one time. What happened? Well, obviously, I lost. <laughs> and uh, uh, it was really fun. I was just mowing my lawn one day, Sunday morning. Got into a fight with a lawnmower. Apparently, I lost. I lost. Yeah. What? What happened? Oh, I got hit by a drunk driver. Oh, really? What happened to the drunk driver? Well, actually, I was a drunk driver, so I hit myself. It was great. <laughs> I don't know how I did that, but it was fun. Well, you've had some time to come up with these, really. You really, yeah. And you probably do it to see the looks on people's faces, right? It's, it's just a shock value. It's priceless. That's all it is. Yeah. No, it's... Um there's a lot more to John than just the one leg. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, you uh, on the floor here mm. selling guns. Yeah. Uh, I used to do a lot of instruction here. Yeah. Um, I don't really do that too much anymore. Uh, there's some more there's more people here now and things like that uh i was needed on the floor so basically i just sell guns you just hang out and have a good time yeah just hang out and have a good time um i don't know i fix problems 
Yeah. Give I me a problem and can fix it. Sometimes he makes them. Sometimes I do make them. But it's you can <laughs> fix them too. Yes, but I can't <laughs> fix them after I make them. It's great. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't it's really. Ad, it's It just shows your added worth right there. Yeah, yeah. right there. I'm, I'm automatically in the worth. Um, well, I will say you, uh, no matter what, fan, phenomenal person to know. If you don't know John, you should and come into the shop and say hi. Yeah. Um, because yeah, it's just it. Everybody loves John. I don't know about everybody. A lot of people. I think that there's a good, you know, like over fifty percent that like it. you, that like yeah. you or don't like you. I mean, fifty fifty. <laughs> You're over under. <laughs> yeah, over under. I mean, either way, there's fifty percent of people that like me, and there's fifty percent that don't. I'm just one of the few people here that will. That's a better approval rate than Congress. So you're good. Hey, we're good. Yeah, we're that's, true. I, that's I true. I wasn't voted into. <laughs> I wasn't voted in my position, which is even better. Um, but no, I'm one of the few people that. Uh, if you come in and if you start speaking certain things that aren't right, I have no problem saying, well, you're wrong <laughs> and this is the actual thing. But then at the same time, I've had some people that have come in and they've been much more knowledgeable than me and they're like, Hey, you're wrong. And I think that's kind of the key thing here. It's, you always have to be learning and you always have to be accepted you know, you always have to accept somebody else's opinion and not right. get super bent out about it. And that's yeah. the one thing that a lot of gun stores just in general do. You have some guy that's, you know, been behind the counter for 15, 20 years and, you know, he thinks he knows everything, but he doesn't. Yeah. And that's how you get people pushed out of a gun store is because, well, you're wrong. What I said is right. It doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter what your experience is. I said it. So it's right. Yeah. And we talked about that on the podcast before about you always just because of the fact that the gun world is so huge and there's so many different ways that you can go into or and different avenues you can go down that you always have to be in a learning mindset. Mm -hmm. And the minute that you stop being in that learning mindset, you're done. Yeah. You know, 100 um, percent. I mean, you even see it online, too. A lot of people um, we were talking earlier about some uh, Internet celebrities and some tactical celebrities who yeah. uh, they, they're not learning anymore. And they yeah. seem to be apparently I'm not cool because I'm not on Twitch. Oh, jeez. What the hell is Twitch? I'm sorry. You know I'm what the it's most called? Twitch? Uh, yeah, it's called yeah. Twitch. But John yeah. John is also out of the loop when it comes to any <laughs> internet social media things. Yeah, no, I don't do um, that. If, I, if, if you guys think I should be on Twitch, let me know. Yeah. And I probably still won't. <laughs> I, I think that you should. Hi, Bill. But then you shouldn't. Hi, Bill. So Bill is one of our senior pistol instructors over here. Yeah, we've had Bill on the podcast before. Senior means I'm old. <laughs> John knows how to run a gun. Boom. There yeah, it is. Actually, That's high praise right there, I would a, say. John might even know a little something about selling a gun. Really? Ooh. Look at that. That's he high might praise. Know something about being a Marine. Oh, oh, there, uh oh. Uh. <laughs> well, actually, that's a good uh, segue right there. Let's start from the beginning. Um, you're originally not an Idahoan. You're from Florida, right? No, I'm from Florida. Actually, uh, so I was, uh, I'm going to shoot myself in the face by saying this, but I was actually born in Redondo Beach, California. Really? Yep. Did not right, know that. Right on the beach? Right on the beach, believe it or not. Uh, I was born in Redondo Beach, California. Uh, Memorial Hospital or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> it's a, it was, it was less than a mile away. Some place where babies are but no, uh, hatched. No, I grew up in, you know, from nine. I was born in 1990 and through 1990 to 98. Kid. You know, California is a pretty cool place to live. Um, of course, I don't really remember the Clinton era except for, you know, him taking advantage of a couple women. But besides that, um, <laughs> that's a whole nother podcast. That's a whole nother podcast. Yeah, so. sure is. But anyways, um, so growing up in California, you know, I... I spent most of the time, uh, most of my time in the water. Uh, I learned to swim before I learned to walk. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah kind of weird. 
Um, but uh, my parents got divorced when I was four, and my dad moved us around a lot. Uh, we settled in Florida gotcha. in 2000, 2001. Um, so, yeah, I'm Floridian, technically, yeah. I guess. I don't know. I spend most of my time there. And... Uh, there's a lot of stuff that happened in Florida. I don't know. I wasn't the best <laughs> kid in the world, to say the least. Uh, my dad definitely has a lot of gray hairs because of me. Um, but after I graduated in 2019, or not 19, <laughs> <laughs> good Lord, in 2009. There um, we go. Yeah. yeah, that happened. <laughs> uh, I went to the Marine Corps. Yeah. And uh, my mom passed away um, in February of 19. So she's been dead for 10 years now. And... Basically, I graduated high school with like a 2.8 GPA. My senior year, I never went to school after really? my mom passed. Yeah, sure. it was bad. I, you yeah. know, I dropped out of football. I dropped out of wrestling. I dropped out of anything. Yeah. Um, I had a scholarship to actually go to college and uh, compete in wrestling. Um, and after she passed, uh, you know, me and my dad went through this really weird phase where we didn't talk much. Um, sure. He left. I finished out my somewhat high school education yeah uh, in florida and uh yeah two plus two equals eight over there <laughs> just to let you know okay <laughs> so uh after that i joined the marine corps and i went to the infantry and basically i went into the recruiting station so i went to the army navy air force really you went all four i went all no i went all three all three i didn't even think about the marine corps really okay yeah, never thought about it so do you um, have uh, not to interrupt but did you have any family like in the military prior or yeah yeah okay um both my grandfathers were in the military one was uh actually both were army and look we have another guy that you yeah, showed hello ben in. there's old ben oh ben hello 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 ben's got to be on the podcast one of these days here <laughs> Anyway, so I uh, went to family in the in uh, in the army yep. uh, back in the day. And yep, then, back in the day. Uh, so on my went, mom's side, my uh, great my grandfather, he actually was a uh, tail gunner for a B fifty two. Oh uh, wow! Okay, he never got to go overseas, but um, he was late forty five, early forty six. Right, right at the end. Yeah, right at the end. Never got mm -hmm. to go over, uh, but he he was trained for that. And then uh, my mother's uncle, my great uncle, uh, he was a tanker in the first oh, tanks. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he actually got to go overseas. He never saw any action. Mm -hmm. Um, and if he did, he wouldn't tell me about it. He just kept telling me about training and stuff like that. And whenever I talked about, you know, any war experience, he, he wouldn't talk about it. So sure. Whatever he did, he wouldn't. Um, but my dad's brother was a legitimate badass. Uh, he did three deployments to Vietnam. Oh, Holy wow. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. 66, 66 <laughs> through 68, he extended. Wow. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. Did almost crazy. full, yeah, two yeah. full years in Vietnam. Wow. Uh, came back, went into, so he was an MP, came back, went into LARP, Long Range Reconnaissance Patrol. Okay. Part of the Rangers. Yeah. Um, so let's say you have an enemy line and let's take you about a hundred to 200 miles past that. And let's drop you off into a VC camp with about four or five helicopters worth of guys. And, uh, you guys are going to be dropped about 20 miles South of that. You guys are going to do recon on it and we're going to take it off the face of the earth. Yikes. And then he came back after that deployment, went back, uh, did something spooky, something more spooky than LARP. Yeah. And, uh, about a year and a half, two years later, uh, he came back in 72, 
about three years later, he killed himself. Gotcha. Uh, I mean, the guy, uh, if you've ever been to Vietnam, you can understand. I mean, imagine going back three times and uh, being an MP, then LARP, then going in even deeper. Uh, yeah, that's a lot of a lot of yeah. a lot of things for anybody to handle. Yeah. So the Karn's name was kind of settled in that theater in um, military. Yeah. And uh, my dad, he didn't go to the military. Um, he saw what he did to his brother. Didn't want to be a part of it. Sure. Um, and uh, I remember coming home on my 18th birthday, and I remember me and my dad were kind of having a bout at the time sure and i remember throwing a contract at him i said i need you to sign this it was right it was right before my 18th birthday Mm -hmm. a couple months and uh you know he started reading it and it didn't go very well (laughs) you know he found i want to go into the infantry and uh the marine corps infantry um and the reason why i picked that was i went to the army uh they didn't offer me anything that was direct action Okay. Um, they're like, well, you can go do an RD unit. You know, you're there for two years and then you can go, you know, trial for selection. That's artillery, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Artillery. Um, and then I went to the Navy and my, my biggest thing, I wanted to be a medic or a corpsman. Like I wanted right that. Yeah. I, I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. I thought that, you know, patching guys up in the middle of a gunfight was, that was service. Yeah, for sure. Not just being in the gunfight, but I thought that was like, you know, bringing guys home that got tore up. Saving lives, yeah. The whole nine yards. That was awesome. Yeah, for sure. Um, I went to the Navy, and I wanted to be a SARC, uh, Special Operations Corpsman. Okay. Uh, I scored really high in the ASVAB. You know, I did really well on my PT tests and everything. Uh, Every expectation they had, I passed. Yeah. Um, So I go there, and... I'm going into the debt program, delayed entry program, and I go there to sign the contract. Navy guys are gone for two weeks. Didn't tell me. <laughs> and I was like, all right. All that work. All that work. Yeah, geez. And this dude comes out. And God, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he's a staff sergeant. Um, he came over to me and he said, well, they're gone for two weeks. I don't know what you're told. I was like, I showed up with a you know a little duffel bag full of clothes for overnight to go to uh, in dock and everything. And you were ready to, to go. I was ready to go. Man, just need to sign the contract and get on the bus. Yikes! Yeah, that's. He said, "Well, they're gone for two weeks." He said, "What do you want to do in the Navy?" I said, "Well, I want to be a Sark." Yeah. He said, "Oh." <laughs> I got a job for you. <laughs> Why don't you come over here and talk to me for a minute? 45 minutes later, I signed a contract. For the Marine Corps? Marine Corps Infantry. Man. They said, we will put you in the best place to be able to do a job. <laughs> That's and I, They asked me, like, what do you want? I told them, I just, I want a family. I, I want a family. Mm-hmm. I don't have one right now. My sister was in college. We didn't really talk. My mom was dead and my dad was gone. And sure. I, I wanted a family. You're just on your own. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 18 years old, just out of high school. Like, give me a family. Let's go. Well, there's this thing called the infantry and you're going to love these guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? Okay. <laughs> so fast forward 12 months later, I finally get to my unit. Um, 14 weeks boot camp. Uh, three weeks after that was recruiting duty in Vegas. 
A lot of dumb stuff in Vegas. Uh, <laughs> after that, you went to something called Infantry Training Battalion. Um, and I went to ITB in Pendleton. Okay. Uh, yeah, kind of California. A weird, kind of a weird deal, uh, especially because I went through Paris Island for Marine Corps recruit training. Okay. And Paris Island, I don't care who you are, is a lot worse than San Diego. Yeah, I imagine. You're on an island. And there's one way in and one way. There's a lot of way in and a lot of way out, but there's only one road. So you can totally swim and try to, you know, you can try to swim across that channel. It ain't going to happen. No, you got gators and, you know, you got copperheads and stuff. I remember when we were going through the, the, the crucible. It's just, it's literally our hell week. It's three to four days. You're up the whole entire time. You're getting sure. kicked out of you. Yeah. The crap kicked out of you. <laughs> pardon my language. Um, and you're just doing a bunch of stupid nothing to do with combat uh and so paris island is actually the uh the boot camp location in full metal jacket yeah in south so carolina just as a, as actually, a reference yeah. actually the one in full metal jacket was actually filmed in canada was it really it was i didn't know that it was not filmed in the united states it was filmed in canada that's for my for my understanding but okay then again i I have been hit in the head once or twice, so I might be wrong. <laughs> but, but Paris Island was the setting, I guess, that the that first was half of the, the movie setting, yes. takes and place was, in. Yeah. And uh, I, my platoon was 2082, 2802, and I was part of Golf Company. And they used to say, hey, 2082, I got you on my finger. It's called a booger. Garbage-ass <laughs> platoon. Wow. And I was like, wow. And these were guys from the same company, you know, Golf Company. Um but yeah, I got my job dislocated by a guy named Sergeant Decker. Um, <laughs> fitting. Fitting. Yeah. Sergeant Decker decked the crap out of me. Uh, I remember the first two weeks, like it was engraved in the back of my head. Um, I just, you know, one day, you know, two days, no sleeping, 18 years old. The first time I've ever done this sober. <laughs> Great. This sucks. All right. So uh, it was like a, like a wannabe seer or what? What were they trying to do? Oh, no. So the funny thing about the Marine Corps is, is that the first two to five weeks of anything is just a haze fest. And like, that's really? what people need to understand is like the Marine Corps. It's very intense. Yeah. Only for a little bit, though. They want to be intense for two to five weeks at a time. <laughs> they want to break you down. I mean, they can break you down in less than five days. Sure. And I've seen guys that have bachelor, doctorate degrees, people that are very smart. And then I've also seen, you know, grease monkeys, mm -hmm. guys that are just tough. <clears throat> you know, I broke a couple fingers fixing an engine. Ah, screw it. Don't worry about it. They can break anybody down. Yeah. And when you're 18 turning 19 and your mom died about six months before you joined the Marine Corps, it's not that hard. <laughs> so they made me cry pretty much on a daily basis. Sure. And it wasn't because I was weak or anything. It was just they knew how to do it. They knew how to push your buttons. They're professionals. They have no reservations about pushing those buttons. Oh, no. Yeah, they exploit every weakness. But it, in reality, it's to help build you up, though, yeah. right? To yeah, they break you down to build you up. Yeah. That's, yeah. What, yeah, that's what I was leading into. The first two to five weeks is just, like, I don't care how big of a god you think you are. and You are just nothing more than pond scum. Yeah. And I'm going to show you how I get you to that point to where you accept that. That you are <laughs> literally less than the organism that lives in your body. Oh. <laughs> okay. So, there was, I think it was about the second or third week. I couldn't really tell you off the top of my head. Um, 
he called me he, recruit Carnes, and uh, you know it was like i think it was it was in the midday we've been up since four o'clock in the morning and i turned around and i was like what <laughs> no it's standing at attention or anything just turned around <laughs> just, what i think i know where the story's going <laughs> I, the last time I got grabbed like that, I was probably about 12 years old. And I think I like accidentally ran over like a pipe or something with a tractor or with like a push mower or something yeah. and, like cracked the water pipe. <laughs> last time I was that much trouble in my life. This guy literally grabbed me and he's like five foot eight, maybe weighs 130, 140 pounds. And, and you're six, three. I was six, three and I was 210, 215. Yeah. Yeah. He picked me up like I was about a, you know, 1980s something special Barbie <laughs> doll. And there's something called a whiskey locker. And that's where we keep all of our cleaning products and mops and stuff like that. Yeah. And I remember he brought me in there and I turned around. That's the last thing I remember. Damn. And he hit me once and he basically dislocated my jaw. I could still pop my jaw. Oh, yeah, you can hear that. So I can still pop my jaw for that. Um, and I remember waking up. I remember kind of sitting up, and he was just sitting there. And you can see, like, 40 veins coming out of his forehead. So he was like, you ever going to say that to me again? This recruit doesn't remember what he said to you. <laughs> you said, yeah. This recruit doesn't remember that. Good, I hit you hard enough. Get the hell out there. Wow. And that was the continuous phase. Sure. And a lot of people don't understand that. A recruit can, you can welch, you can, not welch, but you can rat out your instructors. You can do that. You can. But you will never, like that, that will follow you all the way through. You will always be that dumb boot that ratted out your drill instructor. And yeah. the thing about the Marine Corps was what made us, you know, so proud and everything. Yeah. We didn't, we didn't rat each other you out. You weren't rats. Yeah. No. So fast forward, you know, a year later, um, I get to my unit. Yeah. The first month I was there was just another haze fest. Sure. Congratulations. You are now surrounded by a bunch of 20 to 26 year old dudes that have been deployed <laughs> and you're 19 and they are gods and you are not. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. So you're the dumb boot. Oh yeah. boy. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Let's see how tough you are. So it's just a haze fest for the first month to six months, basically. Yeah. So anybody joining the Marine Corps infantry, uh, good luck. Prepare, good luck. prepare, <laughs> prepare for the shit show. Yeah. Uh, part of my language but anyways um i got wrapped up in so one day they we got done with pt at about zero six thirty. we ran over 10 miles um went to the pool afterwards did about 2500 meters of swimming man this isn't special forces or anything this is just, just regular yeah this is infantry it's people that are like i'm infantry it's like eh are you are you are you really so anyways after that um i got back to my room and it was about it was after seven altogether and i get my room kicked in by about 12 guys jeez 
I am forced to drink while doing flutter kicks for 30 minutes. So you sit there, you put your hands oh, underneath the back of your butt, yep. and you do flutter kicks while they're pouring vodka. Like, it's not good stuff either. It's like it's like, it's like $7 for a gallon. Skull or McCormick yeah. out of a plastic bottle. You know, pop-offs. Yeah. You know, I have a rule. You don't drink anything out of a plastic bottle. <laughs> yeah. Don't do that. But anyways, they're pouring, you know, it goes vodka, whiskey. Dude, I know. can't even do flutter kicks for 15 seconds, man. That's... Yeah. So they do that to you, and then they do something called fishing. <laughs> it's when you do a seated, uh, it's when you do basically an air squat, and yeah. then you put your back against a wall. A wall sit kind of thing? Okay. Yeah. What they do is that they take this mop handle, you know, about you know three or four to five feet or however long it is. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And you take the mop off of it, so it's this nice metal piece, oh, and geez. you put it right underneath your sternum, uh-huh. and that's where it sits. And you hold it there and they come over there and they tie your boots together and they put it on there a little bit of weight. So it digs into your sternum. That's cute. And they put a Kevlar on there and all this other stuff as the so weight just increases. Oh yeah. Yeah. The weight increases and it just digs deeper in oh, your sternum. Lord. It's good stuff. That's fun. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. So after what, so about eight, eight thirty in the morning, you know, I'm pretty much blacked out drunk and they thought it'd be funny to everyone kick the crap out of me. <laughs> Okay, it's our it's our first new guy. Let's just go on it and beat the shit out of him. <laughs> like, all right, this sounds like a good time. So Some I'm getting crap things. kicked out of me by twelve guys, and there's not much you can do. I mean, you punch the guy in the you know the junk once or twice, and but it doesn't matter because he's got eleven buddies that are going to kick the crap out of you. Yeah. So eventually, I got put into a uh, I got tacoed, which is <laughs> when they take one mattress, they lay you on it. And then they take another mattress and they put it on top of you and then they duct tape it shut. Oh, my God. And then they take you up to the third deck and they throw you off. Of it. <laughs> oh, my God. So I almost broke my neck. Yeah, I imagine. Legitimately, like I got a concussion from it and everything and it was bad. Um, Man. But the test was, OK, now we did that to you. What are you going to do? Are you going to go to the first sergeant? Or are you going to go to Gunny? Who are you going to go to and complain? Are you going to go. Yeah. I didn't say anything. You just take it. Just woke up the next morning and I went on PT. I drag ass. I was dragging ass. Don't get me wrong. But oh, I, I, was, bet, yeah. I was still trying to keep up. But but you didn't what say nothing. What wrong with you, Carnes? It's like, what? Oh, you can't keep up? You've only been here for a month. Oh, come on. Oh, you're supposed to be something special. I don't feel good, sir. <laughs> uh, Staff Sergeant, I, I, I legitimately... Uh, <laughs> just not good. Yeah. Um, so anyways, that went on for a couple months and eventually, you know... They stopped doing it. Yeah. Uh, um, I don't know. After that, it was just a lot of training. Yeah. Uh, mountain warfare, desert warfare, small unit leadership, um, team leader, breachers course, demo course. Um, it was over. It was over a dozen schools. Oh, wow. And that's just. I wouldn't say basic infantry in the Marine Corps. I was very lucky being stationed with the 7th Marines. I was part of 3rd Battalion, 4th Marines, and 3rd Battalion, 7th Marines, and 29 Palms. Those are the two units I served with mm. on my two deployments. And uh, they're, the most, they're one of the most combat-deployed units ever, just battalion in general. Okay. Um, so these guys would deploy, come home, do a workup, deploy, come home, do a workup. And that's, that's rotation for them. And you just don't stop. No, they don't. Yeah. I mean, eventually, you know, you can get out and do all that stuff, but eventually you stop. Hi, Joey. 
We're, we're getting all sorts of our popular cameos. Yeah, popular for sure. This evening. See, that's I told you. Everybody loves John. Everyone wants to see John. Yeah. Uh, so after that, um, I deployed to Jordan, Afghanistan. Um, we went over to Jordan. Nothing really to talk about. We trained a bunch of guys. Uh, worthless. And uh, <laughs> went to Afghanistan after that. Um, so when we came home from that deployment, uh, you know, we got a lot of tastes for things. And uh, we got a lot of experience. We got a lot of training under our belts. And we went... Uh, after about three weeks of us being home um, in early 2011, uh, early to mid, uh, there was another deployment coming down for 3rd Battalion 7th Marines. And uh, I took a squad over to them because they were combat ineffective okay. for a uh, weapons platoon. They were just missing a bunch of guys. Mm-hmm. So took 12 guys over. Um and uh, we went to uh, Sangin, Afghanistan, in uh, 2011. And it wasn't as bad as the uh, 2010 deployment, but it was still bad. Uh, you know, getting shot at on post, um, sidestepping IEDs. Uh, the Afghan counterparts we had were basically children with uh, AK-47s. I mean, they were full-grown men and everything like that, but they were just... The way they were acting. No, they're just... They're stupid. Um, well, yeah, their their mentality of a conflict was totally different, and they didn't take it as serious because they just grew up that way. Yeah, and they that's grew just up the way that it was. way. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I don't really have too much nice stuff to say about that place. Um, I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> or the people that live there, or people that come from there. Um, messed up. It's yeah. It's a messed I, up place. I, I didn't go to a nice place, and I didn't deal with nice people. Sure. And both my experiences overseas were kind of like that. So uh, we'll fast forward to the day I got blown up. So November 16, 2011, uh, we left the wire early. And we were going to go do a just recon slash knock patrol, uh, you know, look around, kind of find some people and uh, take care of them. Mm-hmm. Um, during that time, though, we found a couple IEDs, we found a daisy chain. That's when there are multiple IEDs linked together. Uh, and then we stepped on mine as well. Um, but we walked over my IED probably six or seven times before. Really? Off. Yeah. Yeah. So at the time I was... 6'4", 230, 240, and I probably had about 100 to 150 pounds of gear on me, uh, not just armor, ammo, gun. I mean, I had a pack with me with yeah, a Yeah, your ruck was yeah. just loaded. Yeah, yeah, yeah your ruck's loaded with demo, ammo, um, batteries. Um, I was a team leader at the time, so I had a radio, and I was also rocking a Thor, which is something that blocks... Um, uh, so we have low band, high, or low band, mid band, and high band. Low band is like uh, garage door openers. They can use that. Anything that's IR or anything like that. Oh, um, you're talking about the radio frequencies? Yeah, radio frequencies. Yeah, yeah. Okay. so low band. That's like, how they detonate, right? Yeah, that's so how they control detonate. Gotcha. Um, so anyways, we would stop control detonates and things like that. The only way that we would actually hit an IED and go off is if we stepped on it. And if it was a pressure plate, which is the one that I stepped on was. Mm-hmm. Um, it was 10 pounds. And uh, about six to eight pounds went off. So I was supposed to be a triple amputee. Uh-huh. 
So my left, yeah, my left leg's just tore up. My right leg's gone. My left arm or my right arm was broken in half and, you know, a bunch of muscle damage and stuff. And I lost, uh, lost a little bit of my left lung. Um, had a pulmonary embolism. Jeez. So I had a 30% chance of living. And two days later I wake up and I was in Germany. (laughs) Yeah. It was weird. Last thing I remember, (laughs) last thing I remember is getting on a bird and one of the guys saying, all right, both your legs are or screwed. <laughs> Pardon me. It's all right. Both your legs are both your legs are done. Uh, your right arm's done, and you are bleeding internally. So I'm going to stick you with some morphine, and I'm going to open up your lung. And that's the last thing I remember. Man. And then I woke up two days later with my dad over me in Germany. Yeah, because I only had a thirty percent chance of living, and if you have less than forty percent chance, uh, uh, they bring your family in so they can pull the cord. I see. So, man, that's that's just so heavy duty stuff, man. That's just well. The the scary thing is that I woke up and I saw two of my guys, uh, Chachi Corral and mm-hmm. Zach Reif, mm-hmm. and they're both KIA'd, and their families were pulling the plugs when I woke up. <sighs> so apparently, I went to cardiac arrest at that point in time. Yeah, I had a heart attack. Really? Yeah. Just from the stress of that situation. Yeah, uh, it's understandable for sure. Yeah. Um. And then, uh, basically 2012 was a blur and 13. I don't remember much from that. And that was all kind of, that was all, yeah, just recovering. Yeah. I was on bed for, I was on bed in a ketamine coma basically for four months. (laughs) And if anybody's been on ketamine before, it's called a K hole. And if you've ever been on it before, uh, it's like LSD, but like the bad stuff. It's instead of like good trippy dreams, it's like, hey, remember that time you almost got shot on post? Let's relive that, but like a <laughs> hundred times worse. Oh my God, man. So, uh, I don't know. After that, I, I got out in 14 and uh, I lost my identity. That was a big thing for me. Uh-huh. I just wanted to be an infantry Marine. You know, I wanted to further my career, you know, either try out for recon or MARSOC or anything like that. Um, that's what I wanted to do. And when you're 21 years old and you're sitting in a bed and somebody hands you a check for, you know, X amount of money because you lost your limbs and they say, hey, congratulations, you got this much money, but you're never going to kick another door in for the Marine Corps. It's like, Okay, this is what I planned on doing for the rest, rest of my of life. Your life. Yeah, something that you've emotionally invested mm-hmm. a lot of time into, and then you know, it just gets taken from you. Yeah, I was thrown off a third floor balcony for you know, yeah. you know, that's a lot. I mean, that's well, the thing that really messed me up was that it was you know, it was my family, yeah, and in a way, they were like, Well, we're done with you. Don't get me wrong, I you know. Every time I'm in Marine, it's, you know, it's like meeting family. But at the same time, it was just like one of those, it was one of those like super big kick in the nuts. Like, oh, yeah. okay, that's over. So I went to Florida and I became a charter captain. Um, I had a six pack license for a little while and I did private charters and I was a peg leg pirate, man. It was great. <laughs> you know, I drank rum every day. You really I, owned the identity. I really did, man. Yeah. You know, did you have a beard too? I did. Nice. I look like a cancer patient, but I had a beard. <laughs> uh, anyways, eventually I had to come back to do some surgeries on my legs. And the best hospital at the time was in California. 
Okay. So I went back to California. Back to California. And I went to Palo Alto. Uh-huh. And after about a year and a half of fighting with the doctors and everything, they officially denied me health care. What? No. The VA can do that. There's this little there's really? this little paragraph. It's not just a little paragraph, but there's a bunch of paragraphs that says if they can't improve or fix your situation, they have the legal right of telling you to pound sand. Really? Oh, that's... No. That's As a civilian, that pisses me off. Yeah, that's, that's a VA for you. That's infuriating. Yeah. And guys that have cancer and stuff like that from Vietnam and Iraq and, you know, all these other different conflicts that we've been in with a bunch of cr- dirty stuff, mm-hmm. um, those guys will die before they ever see a doctor that can fix them. And that's the VA's. So when I go to the VA, what they try to do is narc me up. They uh-huh. try to give me a bunch of narcos, a mm-hmm. bunch of psychos and all this other stuff. And then what the VA does is they try to numb you. Band-Aid solution. I will say this right now. The VA has killed more veterans Uh than both wars or even however many wars we're in right now. Man. They've killed more. They've killed more service members than the enemy has ever killed in the last 20 years. I think the VA is the number one killer (laughs) of veterans. It's horrible, man. If anybody from the VA is listening, you suck. (laughs) (laughs) We told you John's going to tell you like it is. No, you suck. You yeah. should honestly go on ahead and take that same medication and that same treatment and everything and see how well that works out for you after a year. Okay. Man. Now go on ahead and do that for eight years or screw that guys that have been through Vietnam and they're still sitting there in wheelchairs, just getting dicked around. So, yeah. um, after that I went through Stanford, uh-huh. um, in the same area and they mm-hmm. fixed me in 72 hours. I had a surgery, complete succession. Wow. Done. But wait, you were unfixable. Oh yeah. Wait yeah. Wait, they said oh, they couldn't yeah. fix you anymore. Yeah. The, the amazing doctors at the VA <laughs> told me that I'm unfixable and they can't do anything. But within 72 hours at Stanford, I had complete succession of a surgery and 100% recovery. That's crazy. It's great. It's yeah. just the whole medical world and the healthcare world and the country at large, man. Just it's crazy. Let's call on the one care, look, the one care health provider. Let's do that. That's a great idea. That's why everyone from Canada comes down here for emergency surgeries. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a great idea. So, uh, anyways, after that debacle in California, I basically wrote that state off. Um, sure. And there's some other stuff that happened there. You know, I went through community college there, and you know, I had some kids call me white privileged. Um, I went to to private school for, they have no idea. Yeah. I went to private school for two years. Uh, Uh, it was first grade. (laughs) Then my parents got divorced and then I went through it in sixth grade and I actually got kicked out of that school because apparently I was too big of a handful. Oh, never had braces. I started working when I was 13 and I went to the Marine Corps. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm real privileged. Yeah. This is great. Yeah. Yeah, that probably sat real well with you. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to go into too much detail on what (laughs) happened at at that point in time in that school, but basically I was asked to leave. (laughs) Um, So I left and kind of went through a little bit of a crisis for about a month or two. And I came out here to visit some family and Uh I found out that Idaho is actually a pretty cool place. It's not too bad, is it? It's not bad at all. Just get yeah. past the wintertime. Even then, it's yeah. not that bad. It's not that bad. Well, but it's from Florida and California, I guess, you are you don't really deal with snow at all. No. I think the coldest <laughs> I got in Florida during the wintertime where I was at in Fort Myers, it was like 50. Yeah. 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 You're wearing shorts and a f***ing... Or, or shorts. <laughs> You're wearing shorts and this, like, big fluffy jacket. It's like, but you're still wearing shorts. But, hey. And probably sandals, too, right? Oh, yeah. 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 I, it was weird. But they're insulated. 
Insulated sand. He's wearing Crocs. Yeah, those rainbows, man. They're great. You got the fluffy. You got the fluffy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there we go. So, um, eventually, I came here, and uh, actually, Steve did the NRA certification for me. Really? As an RSO or an instructor, mm-hmm. or which one was As it? An instructor, actually. Okay. It was kind of fun being able to use all that stuff that I learned in the Marine Corps to do that here, and yeah. uh, that's what I do. Um, I'm one of the pistol slash carbine and shotgun instructors. Um, other than that, man, I just sit on the floor and I just talk to people about guns all day. It's pretty fun. Yeah. And, uh, man, what a story. No. And you know, uh, the thing that was really nice about the California experience is that that's where I met my wife. Um, we have a beautiful daughter now. She is. Yeah. And she's awesome. pretty new still in a couple months, right? She's three, she's three months old, three man. Months, three man, three yeah. to four months. She's between there. I think it's kind of weird when people are like, no, she's three months, two weeks and four days old. It's like, Holy <laughs> crap. She's 15 weeks old. Okay. Thank yeah, you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, he showed me pictures of her. She is a doll. She she's is cute. awesome. Yeah, she Very definitely cool. got her looks from her mom, but she yeah, got her personality true. from me, which is funny because she laughs at the most random stuff. It's weird because she act, me and my wife will start talking to each other a little bit. Yeah. Start talking crap and uh <laughs> she'll start laughing oh really she does that oh man <laughs> she will laugh at you things. have your job cut out for you yeah man four years <laughs> no oh i'm screwed yeah yeah you know um there's this there's a saying uh Hell hath no fury as a man who has a daughter or something like that. It's not a woman or anything, but it's like, uh, if you've lived an interesting life, you're going to have an interesting child. Yeah, I bet. It's like in the genetics or something like that. I have a beautiful daughter, a shovel, and a shotgun. (laughs) And a bag of lime. (laughs) You go on ahead and figure out what we're going to do. You make the next move. You know, my favorite thing is I'm going to do. So I used to be this like, uh, you know, I'm, you know, the first guy that comes over, I'm going to throw a round at him. You know, hey, come a lot faster after 930. What's your rules of dating your daughter? Like, ask her. Ask Luella. Yeah. She knows exactly the rules of dating her. She knows exactly what she's worth and she knows all that stuff. And <coughs> trust me, by the time of 15, she's going to be able to rip somebody's head off. Oh, I'm sure. Probably by the, the nice thing is, though, is like if you have to be the badass dad, like it's pretty obvious they could look at you and be like, I'm scared to jump. <laughs> but uh, they look at me and they're like, that bald, bad guy, fat, bald, fat guy. I can't even talk good. Uh, yeah. You don't talk so good. Yeah. You don't talk so good. <laughs> you speak that angerish well. I told my daughter, maybe I've said this already, like if she just got braces. Oh, yeah. Daughter, no. And I told her, you know, if the boys are giving you crap, just tell them my dad's not scared to go back to prison. <laughs> She's like, you've never been to prison, dad. And I'm like, they don't know that. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. matter. They don't know that. <laughs> No. Bill's back again. Bill's back. Hey, Bill. <laughs> oh man. So, well, thank you for sharing your story. I mean, that's, I, you know, you've been through a lot, man. And you're still here. That. You said, well, you've been through your fair share. We'll call it that. And yeah. we're, we're happy to have you here. We'll th- oh, we're absolutely. thankful you're here, here at, at the shop yeah, too. I'm happy so. to be here. Because I mean, just from the, one of the first days I met you, I mean, you just, you, you can tell that you have a lot of knowledge about, you know, training and firearms and defense and all that kind of stuff not just knowledge but the passion with it too and that's yeah you know it's it's funny because some people you know like you say you tell like it is and stuff like that and that may rub people the wrong way or whatever but it's because you are passionate about it and you do care and you want you want things you want i think you want things done the right way you know and yeah and i mean without any 
you know, hullabaloo about it. You yeah. Know? And it, this is my career. You know, this is yeah. what I, this is what I have put the last 12 years of my life into it's yeah. firearms and mm-hmm. it, instructing, teaching, training, all that stuff. I mean, it's stuff that I've used practical application. It's stuff that I've trained and it's stuff that I've actually seen work. Yeah. And I don't want to be that cynical person or anything like that, but the world's not a nice place. And <laughs> the best way of saying it is this. It's better to have a fire extinguisher and not need it than need it and not have it. 100%. So with that being said, you don't have to dig too deep into it. Um, and you don't have to make it this grandiose, you know, monster of, a oh, it's, you know, firearms. And listen, if you come out and if you admit that you don't know anything or you need help, you will get everything you need. But if you come out thinking that you know everything and that you don't need to learn anything else, you already lost. At that yeah. hundred yeah. percent. You're yeah. done. Like your ami- <laughs> your ego is not your amigo. Like leave that at the door. That's yeah. what I tell everybody that I, I like instruct. That. It's I don't care if I'm doing two guy, two people at a time, or uh, yeah, that sounded wrong, right? <laughs> we started one time. That one? How do I bleep that? Right. It doesn't matter if I have two people on the range or twenty people on the range. Uh huh. It doesn't matter if you're a Navy SEAL or you're a medical, you know, nurse or whatever it is. Yeah. I don't care. We're gonna start from the basics. And we're gonna work our way up. Okay. And that's the thing about military training and civilian training. Like we were talking about that a couple days ago. Yeah. About the differences between the two. The difference is repetition. Uh We'll do it a hundred or a thousand times before we ever do it live Uh with live ammo. And that's the difference. It's just repetition, repetition, repetition. And professionals do it till they get it wrong. Service members too. They do it till they get it wrong. Then get it right and get it wrong. Then get it right. They have to have that. Mm hmm. There's that fog of war and all this other stuff. And if you can't get past that, and if you can't work through that in a training scenario or a training or a training scenario, how are you going to be able to do that in combat situation? Yeah. And that's the thing that we all were taught. It's all fun and games until metal heats me or until the metal eats or yeah. <laughs> metal hits meat metal hits the meat there we me. go yeah well that's what we've talked about before too is that we say it over and over again is it you know in a situation whether it's combat or self-defense situation out you know in in the civilian world it's you know you will default to your lowest level of training yeah you know and we've talked about it too where you may if you're not kind of inoculated to that stress and training and all that kind of stuff you may just freeze yeah. and then you've automatically lost and you're not nothing's going to happen and i've you done know, that nothing before gonna happen. there's been times where i've been like Ugh. really but you work through it yeah and i've gotten the crap kicked out of me because of it but when it came down to actual theater operations and things like that it's muscle memory at that point in time and it's <laughs> there's a reason why they're scared of us <laughs> there's a reason why the taliban and everybody else and everybody else in the world is like you know <laughs> They might not be the best people in the world, but they're probably not somebody you want to screw with. Don't want to. Yeah. yeah. Not a good friend, but a, not a good enemy. Yeah. Great friends, worst enemies. Yeah. So, um, I just, I just kind of want to leave it at this. Like if you were very serious about going in the military, think about after the military. Yeah. Think about your time during it. 
and be careful what you wish for because I can tell you <laughs> I wished for it and I wanted to go to the worst place to deal with the worst people and I got exactly what I wanted and I'm lucky enough to live through it yeah you know yeah, so it, it is kind of funny I, I never served in the military I work obviously close to a lot of people have I've I've dealt with I've been privileged a lot to to work with people that have done some pretty crazy things yeah. uh, and been able to come back and talk about it yeah and then I mean, you, you see these kids right that um and maybe you were here there was a kid that wanted to be a navy seal and like, oh god that kid he was he was <laughs> all excited about it right and and even as a civilian i could look at it and be like he ain't gonna is, make it he's gonna get chewed up and spit out of the machine in a matter of minutes yeah and yeah. and that's the thing is right yeah. it, it, we watch movies and we see like 13 hours and sure it's stressful but man that'd be so cool to be in a firefight you see the romanticized maybe not of so it, yeah. much because it, it yeah. takes watch, its toll watch somebody that you love and care about get taken from an earth in front of you and just just deal with that yeah 30 seconds just it's real just, stuff yeah think about somebody that you care about and you love about more than yourself and, and that's the thing you know them. you yeah. mentioned it was a family yeah so you are yeah, you were brothers, yeah. right? No, yeah. I the guys that I serve with, I consider more family than I have actual family. And I got a sister and a dad that I don't talk to anymore. But I got a sister. But I can got I I can guarantee you that those guys that are still left here, yeah, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. I got a guy, Guayo. He's in Texas. He called me right now. I'd be like, see you guys. I'm going You're to Texas. You're on a plane, yeah. I'm on a plane, you know, with a newborn and a wife. Mm-hmm. We're going to Texas. Um, Colorado, just the guys that are still around, that's yeah. my family. Um, you know, I trust them with everything, including my life, my money, my wife, every Money, wife, life. Mm-hmm. That's what I trust them with. Yeah. Uh, and that's just the mentality that we had. And it was this very, it was sacred. Mm-hmm. It was this... <laughs> out of body experience that you get from being around other people that Mm -hmm. listen, we've all trained thousands and thousands and thousands of hours together. We've done the same thing. We're here to do the same thing. And when every, when we left, we all made agreements to each other. Like if I get hurt this way, you don't let me come home, you know, this and this, if I die, Mm -hmm. there's all these promises made and these promises have to be upheld. There's just no other way around it. Yeah. yeah. And that's love. Like, that is somebody that's like, listen, I'll do whatever I can do to keep you alive. But at some point in time, you gave me, you gave me, how do I say it? It's like a pact. Yeah. yeah. It's a pact. There's an agreement. Yeah. There's an agreement. Mm. Don't let me come home if this happens. Mm. I love you. But at the same time, it was weird because we all were sitting in a tent on our second employment and there's like five of us around there and we all kind of looked at each other and said, we're all dead. So we should just act that way. Hmm. And it was weird because it led us to our job better. We never thought we were coming home. And that was the thing that made it easier. Like we're already dead. But we're just alive today. Let's see if we make it to so might as well just yeah, make it to tomorrow. What are we going to do? man yeah and that's what scared the crap out of everybody we fought yeah because you got a bunch of 19 to 20 something year old dudes i just don't care anymore yeah we're like listen we're here man it's not that they don't care it's that they're not afraid of death 
Yeah. It's, it's not. It's well, they not don't care to... about anything standing in like yeah. standing in their way from their objective or the goal of, you know. No, we're here to do a job. Yep. That's and, my brother. And you'll do it. I will I will decimate everything that you love and care about to save him and mm-hmm. to make sure that he comes home and I will gladly put myself in front of everything that you got. Mm-hmm. And I will make sure he comes home. And that was the Marine Corps. Yeah. That's that's still the same thing. I mean, I can meet a Marine from Vietnam and <laughs> it's like family. Yeah. So well, that's good. I mean, that's it's. I think that there's no better advice that you could probably give, especially to folks who are maybe heavy. trying to get into the. Yeah, and that's okay. Heavy there, didn't that's I? okay. Oh. It's got it got deep. It well, got deep. Life isn't all sunshine and rainbows, John. Oh, it's not, as you well know. No, um, but you know, it's it's interesting because despite everything that you've you know the, the you've been through you're one of the funniest people i've ever met <laughs> if you can't laugh at this stuff you're, you're screwed okay listen i got a one foot in the door one foot in the grave and i could put my foot in my mouth or i can break it off in your ass either way <laughs> like i got a swiss army i got a swiss army leg yeah um, carbon fiber too pretty much yeah, yeah it's great yeah i haven't seen yeah. the new leg you haven't seen no, it? no i haven't seen the new it's leg. actually not carbon fiber anymore they actually oh, it's use not. a soap rock and they really? lace it with some. Yeah, it's weird. It's lighter but tougher than carbon fiber. Weird. It's from Coyote Prosthetics. If any amputees are listening, check out Coyote Prosthetics because it is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know, if you don't mind me sharing this, you were having some. You were having some issues with your last one. Yeah. You know, it was yeah. it was irritating and, yep. and things got a little hairy there for a second. But oh, yeah. I I mean. I don't think you've complained about this one once. I mean, you don't complain no. ever. You never complained about it, but no. you know, Bro, you he were... bitched me all the time, <laughs> but he, you know, you you're, just, you're I, full I, of you it could tell, I could tell you were, you were irritated, but with this, it's like, it's a night and day difference. So no, and, I was, uh, and, now I'm starting to be able to run again, being able to rock climb again. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> the wife won't let me do it, but you know, I, I want to go do a contract or something like that. I would love to do that again. But yeah. uh, mostly the thing is just getting back into training again, being able to do, you know, eight to 10 hour training days, uh, moving over five miles at a time. That's my goal. Yeah. Uh, oh, you'll I do it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You'll I just do don't want to no be problem. one of those people that are like, oh, I lost my leg from some stupid inf- uh, and it hindered <laughs> me. Like, no. Like the, the You're only not going to let it stop you. No. Yeah. The only reason why you are limiting yourself is because you are limiting yourself. That's right. It's you. It's in your head. Yeah. You have no mental strength. You have no, 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 just if you can, if you can get your mind to tell your body to shut the hell up, it doesn't take much. It really doesn't. Okay. Like I'm, I graduated with like a less than 2.8 GPA. Okay. Yeah. And I'm not smart. Book smart. But I have the ability to tell my brain, no, you're wrong. Shut up. I'm not listening to you. We're going through this. You have two choices. You either follow or you stay behind. And if it stays behind, it's a weird feeling when your mind is not with you. (laughs) It's a weird feeling and you just go off muscle memory. That's what it was. And Mm -hmm. that's, that's the best way I can describe it. Yeah. But people that sit there and give me excuses after excuses after... I did it for a little while. Don't get me wrong. Sure. I think it can happen to anybody. Yeah, it can happen to anybody. The way to get out of that, though, is to say, no, you're done. We're doing it this way. A, B, C, not Z, X, Y. Okay? And that's all it was. It was just a different thought process. And it doesn't take, you know, years and years of 
mental Marine Corps abuse and, you know, combat. Take that. It just takes two seconds out of your day to go, shut up. Just say that to yourself. Shut up. It's that easy. It's that easy. Just shut up. And don't think anything more than that and don't give it any more power. Just shut your mouth. We're going (laughs) through this. We're going to do this. Oh, okay. And you'll get this weird sinking feeling in your stomach of like, oh, I just swallowed a pound of rocks. It's called confidence. Okay. It's the right thing. Yeah. You're feeling the right thing at that point. Yeah. You're not, (laughs) you're not going into this a hundred percent confident. You're just going in confident enough that, okay, I'll do it. Yeah. Some people say that courage usually comes in during or after whatever you're doing, not before. So, yeah, no, Uh, uh, before it's called dumbness or not dumbness. Pardon me. Before that, it's called being stupid. During it's called being courageous. And afterwards, it's called honorable. Yeah. And the only difference is that people that get through it get to get called that. And there's plenty of guys. I couldn't tell you how many Afghan National Army, Afghan or Afghan uh, military police, yeah. Afghan cooperate. Couldn't tell you how many we lost. Hi, Joey. Gosh. <laughs> it's popular. Popular in here. Um, but the difference with the individuals that actually would work with us and would train with us, they're there for a different reason. Um but the Afghans that we did lose, nine times out of ten was because they were stupid. Really? Yeah. They'd go pick up a magazine that's laying in the ground. Did you drop that? No. Don't then pick don't it up. touch it. Don't pick it up. <laughs> yeah. And boom. Can't. I'm sorry. Sucks that your buddy just pulled a magazine off the ground and he just got ten pounds of directional right to him. Here's a. You know, a gigantic zip. Here's a gigantic Ziploc bag. Why don't you just find what you can? We're going to go look for his gun. Why are you looking for his gun? Why are you looking for him? So they don't take it. So the freaking Taliban doesn't take, you know, because the AK, it's so funny because the AK is pretty much completely interchangeable other than a couple certain parts and a couple certain companies. Um, yeah. So it doesn't matter if the whole gun's killed as long as they the bolt carrying parts. group. Yeah. Is that bolt carrying group good? Yeah. Okay, great. They'll, they'll pull the bull carrying group out and they'll put in a gun that doesn't have one. Hey, how's the barrel? The barrel's fine. <laughs> they'll have some guy heat it up, knock it out with a press and everything. They'll take the barrel out of it. They build guns. It's weird because we've had Russian barrels with Chinese um, lowers with Israeli or not Israeli with Palestine, whatever the frick it is, upper, (laughs) you know, that top cover. And all of a sudden it's got an American buttstock from, you know, Palmetto state. It's weird. That's crazy. And it's all these weird things. And another thing too, was the weapons caches that we'd find. You're finding, you know, ammo cans that were stuffed in there in the late seventies, early eighties from the Ruskies. (laughs) And they're still good. But old Terry over here knows where they're at. It was just an interesting place, man. Um, And just the stuff you saw over there. And then when I come home, you know, everyone wants to thank you. And I get it. You know, guys that went through Vietnam, they did not get that. They did not get that when they came home. Yeah. I don't want to say that I want that. But nine times out of ten, when I get a thank you, it's like, oh, hey, really heartfelt. Nope. Nope, not heartfelt at all. Here's a shitty handshake. It's just Thank kind you of for a pleasantry. Service. Yeah, and it's like, do you feel better about yourself now? It's more self-serving than actually. Yeah. 
That's why I tell most people I got hit in a car accident. Oh, immediately the conversation stops there. Really? As soon as I tell them I got blown up, <gasps> tell me about it. That's... Oh, no, I got hit by a drunk driver. Oh. Oh, it's not that in- it's not that interesting anymore, is it? Oh. <laughs> That's fascinating, actually. Oh, it's, it's hilarious. Because Amer- this is how I know that this country is going in a different direction, okay? You have so many people that are anti-war, anti-military, anti-gun, anti-this, and everything like that. But then all of a sudden, you will put out three or four blockbusters a year that are gunfighting, whatever it is, John Wick, whoever it is, okay? Multi-million, you know, hundred million, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. So when people sit there and say they don't like guns, oh, I'm a... You know, I'm a Democrat. I don't like guns. I'm a liberal. I think guns are horrible. I think that nobody should own them. I literally look right at him and I go, you're stupid. Okay. You are an individual that legitimately should never own a gun. And if somebody comes into your home and breaks into your home and starts executing your family, what are you going to do? Call the cops? Great. You got a four to eight minute. You got a four to eight minute window. Yeah. How long is it going to take for me to do whatever I want to your family? This, that, everything. At least put up a fight. Yeah, I always say that your safety and the safety of your family is your own responsibility. And yeah, cops can are be here. What to, it is, yeah. what it isn't. Cops but. are here to enforce a law. They're not here to protect you. Yeah. Yep. Okay. They're not. Your personal safety—that is like a human right. The Second Amendment—it was for us to overthrow our government. Like, if you guys don't like Trump, a hundred thousand of you people can show up with guns and kill everybody. Yeah. And take back your country, okay? That's the whole entire point for the Second Amendment. It's not for your right to for your personal protection, for your right to hunt, for your right to... No, it's a right for you to overthrow your government and take back your country. So every time somebody sits there and says, hey, Second Amendment's this, Second... uh, uh," No. Shut your stupid face. (laughs) You literally, the whole entire thing for the Second Amendment is for you to kill your own government to take your country back. That's it. Your right to protect yourself, that's a human right, Okay. Your right to provide meat for your family, that's a human right, okay? That is just a normal right as a human being. You should have the right to be able to protect your home, to protect your family, and to be able to provide meat for your, that, that human right, okay? Whole entire licensing and everything, I think that's stupid as well, but don't get me wrong. I understand <laughs> that you need to regulate that because you'd have a bunch of people just going out there whacking everything. That's what happened to the Roosevelt elk. I get it. But the Second Amendment was set up for us to be able to kill our own government. That's it. Stop being, stop it. Like, stop making this whole entire thing. Oh, high capacity magazines are horrible. The only people that are committing these crimes are criminals. Okay. So let's go on ahead and just put this into this whole entire criminal. I'm just going to go on a rant. Sorry. (laughs) I hate it. I think it's stupid. And I honestly, every time somebody tells me that guns are horrible, this and that, oh my God, please. One, One thing's for sure about John. Yeah. He really suppresses his passion about things. Yes, I do. Yeah, he really yeah. keeps it inside. Yeah, so. I really do. I do. I'm, I, I don't feel bad. But at the same time, it's just one of those things that nobody wants to say. I mean, honestly, have, no, you, ever, yeah. have you ever heard anybody say, I, I've heard a few people say that, but at the same time, like, how honest is that? That's the whole entire point for the Second Amendment. Yeah. Am I wrong? No. No. It's, no that's the whole point. That's, that's what it says. That's the whole point. 
This whole entire regulated militia and everything like that. A that was a bunch of dudes sitting back in the 1770-something <laughs> trying to be Checks correct. Checks and balances. Yeah. Yeah. No. They should have just said, listen, the Second Amendment is here for you to be able to own military grade, whatever it is. Told you. John's going to tell you what he thinks. That's right. So Sorry. Honey no, badger. Okay. Sorry, but not sorry. But uh, you know what's really funny? I think California should do a complete gun ban. Go for it. Just to see what happens? Yeah. I want to see what happens. And I've seen a build, couple people say listen, that. So, so did, you know, did you see what Hawaii did? No, what did they do? They're working on a state-level uh, repeal of the Second Amendment. Go for it. 100%. Go for it. Do it. This would be really funny. Some freaking pissed-off country is going to come over there and just waste everybody. And just take over Hawaii. Yeah. Like, what are you going to do? You're going to throw a spear at me? You're going to try to fish hook me? Really? What Don't are you going to do? going to happen. Yeah, it ain't going to happen. Have yeah. you ever seen The Rock? Yeah, he's a Samoan. He's yeah. a Pacific Islander. Yeah, the movie or the person? The person. The person. Not that, sh- not that <laughs> shitty Scottishman. That, look, I loved how they actually put Sean Connery as the captain of a Russian, Russian submarine. Ship. I was like, really? You couldn't have gotten like Putin or somebody on that bitch? <laughs> really? A you real had to Sean Connery? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we just went off a tangent. <laughs> Anyways. Well, no, um, I think that... Oh, go ahead. So... The Rock. Anyways, <laughs> big, huge guy, right? Yeah. Can you imagine like a thousand of those dudes coming at your ass on a no. beach? I no. have seen Tongans pissed off. Yeah. It is scary. Yeah, no, I'm good. No. Yeah. Those are the people that I'm not. I'm all right. We're good. <laughs> we can just go on ahead and just, yeah. They, they. Another thing, too, though, I mean, they have the right to be able to do whatever they want on their island. It's their island. Yeah. We're just visitors. It was. Well, it still is. Uh, It'll be there after, too. Yeah, no. That's one thing. I'm like, I listen, I get it. Pearl Harbor and all that stuff happened out there. But, like, Hawaii, I don't know. I got mixed feelings about that, man. Like, I get it that, you know, we had a base there and stuff like that. And some bad shit went down in the 40s. But that's their place. Yeah. Well, John, I think we'll call it a night from there, yeah, man. We'll call it a night after that. We We're can, starting to get we, into a bunch of weird stuff. No, but see, this is what I love about John is he says what everybody's thinking. Uh, what else are we thinking? Uh, I don't know. We'll be here for another hour if we want to go that route. Yeah, but, right. I'm not sure hey, where the weeds ended. No, there was. <laughs> yeah, see, we got Ben here. We got uh, Cody here hanging out. You've gained an audience. So, yeah. Uh, but no, seriously, thank you for uh, for sharing your story. Um, and uh, thanks for being here. We're, th- we're thankful to have you. No, thanks for having um, me. Everybody loves you, man. So uh, come see John at Independence. Take a lesson or two from him. Come buy a gun from him. That's like everything you need to know. And now if you've listened to this podcast, you know he has the experience and uh, to back it up. No problem telling you the truth. Yeah. And if, yeah, come, come in and tell John why you have the best gun and yeah. see what he says. Tell so. me about your CZ. I would love to hear about your CZ. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You reek a absolute ribbon and you got a man bun. You got a CZ. I would love to hear about how your CZ is the best thing in the world and about how you can shoot that thing the best. And I love your shot group at three yards and it looks like a 12 gauge double up buck at 25 <laughs> yards. Please. Tell me more about how your CZ is accurate. <laughs> I love it. You know what's going to happen, too, is after this episode, John's going to sell more guns than anybody in the whole store. Man, I want to buy a CZ. It's great. Man, I'm going to go buy a CZ from John and see what he says. Dude, I'd rather sell you a Taurus than a CZ. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. At I least that thing holds 12 rounds without having any problems. I guess I shouldn't uh, have my eyes on an SPO one then, huh? You know what, man? <laughs> so here's my thing. All right. <laughs> you mean SP-101? Yeah. So here's no, my thing about one. so here's my thing about CZ. Okay, I've shot the P10, I shot the 75 yeah. in very different configurations. I like it. 
Yeah. They're great guns. Um, I just won't buy it because people with man buns, but truly oil, really <laughs> shit beer, they buy them. And <laughs> so it's on principle. It's on principle right, right. now. It's not I on merit. It's great on guns, principle. But I'll so never what you're saying is, is... Choose the authoritarian route and buy a Glock. Yeah. Say, yeah. Why don't you just go on ahead and man up and figure what? out that you don't need a safety in your world and just get a Glock. You'll be fine. So just buy a Glock. Yeah, just buy Because John's a Glock guy through and through. You've got... You're saying that Glock guys had kids. Hmm. And those are the ones buying CZs. Oh, my God. Buy Rock Island. <laughs> oh, wow. You did not just say Rock Island. If you want to buy a cheap 1911 and actually put about $200 into it and make it worth something, get a Rock Island. Yes. yes. Oh, hey. Well, it's just look, like, you, got, you got one on your hip right now with about $300 worth of stuff on it, and it's actually pretty nice. Just like buying a Glock and putting $500 into it. You shut your mouth. You shut your mouth. <laughs> oh, no. Mouth. I've gotten onto the wrong side of John now. Oh, we better end this gosh. podcast before I, I, get, Apex. Before I, I get a foot in my mouth. Apex a literal foot in my mouth. Please send me products, please. <laughs> and Zev. Oh, yeah, man. Well, we'll have to have Ben and Cody on sometime soon here. And Cody's our uh, one of our gunsmiths. It sounds like they prefer just to holler from behind the scenes. They're just the peanut gallery. Yeah. 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 There you go. <laughs> well, we'll close it for now. If you uh, have a question for John or anything like that, come stop by the store or send us an email, podcast at iishooting.com, or email us. Uh, or I said email us. Email us at podcast yeah. at iishooting.com. Facebook.com slash rangemindedpodcast. Also, Instagram, uh, yeah. rangemindedpodcast. We got to fix that. We're getting our social media game so up. So do you know so. what you call a man with no shins? A CZ owner? <laughs> do you know? No. No, tell me. Tony. Ah! Tell me. Tell wow. Me. Oh. Apparently he's the only one I thought it was funny. Man. <laughs> Smoke more crack, kids. <laughs> Perfect. Thanks for listening. Ed, ed, ed we'll talk out. to you next time. We'll see you. Bye. Thanks for listening to Range Minded. Find us online at Range Minded Podcast on Facebook or send us an email at podcast at iishooting.com. We're always happy to get feedback, episode suggestions, whatever you want to send us, really. And be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and pretty much wherever else you get your podcasts from. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.